Hi, this is Tia Sirkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it begins. A desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. The garbage will do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the force be with us. Hello and welcome to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined as always by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey guys. Welcome to episode 151, where we are going to be talking all about Star Wars Resistance. We've got three episodes, Jesse, that we're going to be discussing on this show, so it's very exciting. A lot's going on in uh, our latest animated show. Yes tons of stuff i really enjoy these episodes so i can't wait yeah so we are going to be talking about hunt on Cellsore 3 which is our first episode it happened a couple weeks ago now so as many of you know if you've listened to our shows in the past we will be talking about spoilers so if you have not seen these episodes or have not caught up yet with season two uh, and don't want to be spoiled turn back now but let's get into this one jesse so there's a lot that's going on here, and our nice, close little family all on the Colossus, they've been having some issues, and, you know, anytime you get turmoil and, and go through difficult situations, I really feel like it shows people's true colors. But you kind of understand what's going on with these people and why they're kind of acting a little brash, I guess. But we almost get an uprising, like a mutiny going on here on the Colossus with Aunt Z. She can't operate her business, there's no food, and that creates a problem. Yeah, and I feel like I have to keep reminding myself that, like, these people did not really sign up to be a part of this war and to be a part of the resistance. They just kind of got, like, I don't want to say kidnapped, but, like, kind of. Like, the Colossus just, like, up and moved, and there's not very many options for them to leave i'm sure like some of them have ships and things that they could leave on but i'm sure not everybody does so a lot of them probably just kind of feel disgruntled and stuck like they like it's not what they signed up for yeah i really do feel though that most of the people who were on the colossus during the time when the first order had curfews and you know sort of occupied the colossus that most of them did not like that so you know like you said i don't think anyone wanted to join the war or anything like that but i i feel like they think the colossus at this point is probably i don't know about the safest place for them but at least better than being with the first order yeah and some of them might have that kind of camaraderie of like you said like we're all in this together they're like a close little knit family maybe that attack from the first order directly kind of made them feel more connected to the Colossus, like they want to be a part of it and stick by them. Yeah. So I want to talk about a couple things on this episode. One of them is Aunt Z and her influence on morale and sort of what she brings to the Colossus. So, you know, in, in season one, she leaves for a while and we can definitely tell that when her bar is run by a droid, it doesn't really have the same oomph to it. 
She really brings a lot to to the Colossus, and I feel like you know whether you're an ace pilot or you're somebody like a mechanic like Kaz, it doesn't matter. You still go see Aunt Z at her bar. We've seen hype in there so many times, and he has access to Doza Tower. Right, like she, at the, she's like the social structure, right? Like she. It's she's where you go, her cantina or whatever you want to call it is where you go when you're not at work. Like that's yeah. where they all hang out. And so when Aunt Z says, you know, I'm gonna pack up my stuff and get out of here, I feel like that really creates sort of, you know, a big issue for all these people who are on the Colossus. Like that's that's a big deal for them. Yeah, like changes their like quality of life. Yeah. Really. And Doza, I mean, I think throughout all of this, Doza has been a fantastic leader. You know, he he basically was like, I can't stop people from leaving, but what I can do is I can be there and support the people that stay. So yeah. I think I think he's really done a great job with that. And I I, can, I hope that you know as we continue to to get more episodes of of Resistance that we see more of Doza's great leadership because. It was sort of iffy there for a little bit while he was kind of like making deals with the First Order. Yeah. Sketchy. Yeah. But I feel like he's getting a little better. I just feel like before everything he did that was in dealings, you know, with the First Order, that was all for the best of the people of the Colossus and for his little family um, with Torah. And now I feel like he's had that like come to reality, come to the light like moment where you know he just realizes that they're not to be messed with there there's no winning when you're on the side of the first order and that he's just now full-blown against them and he's with the resistance yeah let's talk a little bit about the pirates because the pirates really do pose an interesting twist to the situation throughout this episode a couple things that Cragen said is you know, he's got a real mess on his hands, referring to Doza, which means an opportunity for us. So we know that the entire Colossus at this point is hungry. You know, they don't have the Jakusk yet. So this is an opportunity for the pirates to show that they are able to be of service to the people on the Colossus and, and maybe even overthrow Doza. So like, how do you, like, what is the pirates ultimate agenda, do you think? I know. I keep thinking about this, and especially a little bit with the next episode as well, but we'll get into that later. I I feel like they are slowly just allying with the people of the Colossus and with Doza. I think they're just, they're still like, you know, pirates at heart, and they want to be like tough mm-hmm. and like, you know, go out and slay the beast and things like that. But I think they don't have to stay there. I think I'm kind of surprised at this point that they're still there. They have, you know, these big ships that they could leave at any moment and go back, you know, with the First Order or go, you know, do their own thing, pillage the galaxy. But they haven't. Right. So I just, I feel like they're slowly just becoming part of the community and are just going to be on the side of Doza. Yeah, and I think Sonara is, is doing a good job at sort of building bridges between the two groups. You know, even in this episode when um, the pirates steal Kaz's ship and fly away and leave them stranded there, you know, Sonara, like, makes them apologize later on in the episode at the end, you know? Yeah, like, that was so cute. Yeah. 
So I really do feel like Sonara is going to be that bridge that will potentially have the pirates align themselves with the Colossus. But I don't know. We'll see. I thought it was really cool in this episode, too, though, that a cannon took down the Jakusk. Yeah. And this cannon was made by or worked on by Tam. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This is the, that's the only mention of Tam we have in these next three episodes. Yeah. And even while she's not there, she's still helping her friends, you know. Right. Just makes me want her to come back even more. Yeah. Niku in this episode, I mean, he really didn't do a whole lot. Even at the beginning when he was like, yeah, I'm going to go pack up my stuff or whatever. Like, he didn't... And then that was it. Like, you didn't hear from him at all until the end. And I think the show in particular is really great for kids. It's lighthearted. It's funny. It's got silly parts. But it also really does a good job of teaching kids lessons. And I think Niku is the, you know, perfect example of a teacher to, you know, and and even a role model to to young kids um niku i think it said that he like sold his stuff or something yeah. To, possessions. yeah to make the colossus feel more like it used to be on castellan for everybody yeah niku is just he warms my heart he is the jiminy cricket of this show he's just like the positive voice and conscience and i just I love him. He makes me want to be a better person. <laughs> yeah. I connect with him on a few different a few different characteristics, but mostly anytime someone suggests food, he's like, I like food. Food, 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 I know. food. Like, it's like so me. <laughs> That's what I, I literally was sitting here today, like rewatching it, and I literally said out loud, me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. So let's go on into the next episode, which is called The Engineer. And this is a very interesting one. So we get a new character named Nina. And I don't know about you. Amanda was a little skeptical of her right away. But for me, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm skeptical of her. But Amanda got it right. And we find out that Nina is actually uh, somebody that was hired by the First Order. I was not skeptical until Sonara was skeptical. Yeah. And I mean, even like Yeager's skeptical instantly. He's like, this could be a trap. And I was like, nah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know why. Like, we should get the formula of these, you know, it's like, it is a kid's show and there's like a kind of an easy formula you could, I, I was trusting her. Yeah. I, she just seemed so nice. <laughs> I just had a really good feeling about her and I turned out to be wrong, but. As we know, in the end of this episode, the the First Order kind of wants her dead because she didn't really do what they needed her to do. So I think Nina is actually going to become an asset to the Resistance, first of all, and also the Colossus. I think we're not done with Nina yet, and I think she's going to come and help out Niku and his friends on the Colossus. That's That's what I think. I agree with you. She started to seem like she was feeling guilty. Like when her and Niku were like, you know, putting the finishing touches on everything that they were fixing and she actually started, you know, rerouting the power. She was like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not really here to fix things. Like she like wanted to tell him. Yeah. And she started feeling guilty and sad. And she even tried to get Niku to come with her. 
Like, it's like she wanted to just, like, she, she was still in her, like, sabotage mindset. She's like, but this guy's good. Like, you come with me, and we'll just let this whole rest of this place blow to smithereens. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, Niku has, like we, like we were just saying, Niku has that effect on people. It makes you want to be a better person, and I think maybe meeting Niku could have, you know, changed her outlook a little bit. And maybe we will see her again in, in like, a more positive light. Yeah. I really do think that we will, and I think the biggest thing in this episode with uh, the relationship between Niku and Nina was that scene where, I don't know if they're like in a tunnel or where they, wherever they are, they're working on the ship, and they actually have a really big heart-to-heart -heart conversation, and Nina talks about her past. She was a slave of the Hutt clan, you know, and she had a rough childhood, and I feel like anytime that happens, you're, you're a survivor, and you're going to do whatever it takes to survive, and... When Nico says, yes, that's exactly what we're doing. We're trying to survive the First Order. I think that really kind of hits home with her. And I think that's why we'll see her again later. You know, I think she'll she'll understand, especially that we know the First Order is going to execute her now, or at least try to. That's really going to yeah. show her who her friends really are. And Nina might just really be a good person, because if you think about it, you know, she came from being enslaved by pirates, and pirates to me are just like a symbol of lawlessness. Yeah. And the First Order is a symbol of order, <laughs> you know? So to her, they might seem like the heroes right now. They might seem like the people who are going to bring order to the galaxy and stop pirates and things like that and slavery. You know, she might just be naive to it all yet. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, I you know, I think she does have some some skills that the that the Colossus will uh, eventually need her help with, uh, especially knowing that the First Order technology is is rapidly uh, advancing, and uh, we know that right now we are getting through Episode Eight, so the timeline are like they're overlapping. You know, Episode Eight is going on at the same time. And I think it's really cool that the First Order arrives and then the Colossus goes in hyperspace. We know that Snoke's ship, the Supremacy, has the ability to track ships through hyperspace. So the First Order does possess this technology. Now, granted, it was a dreadnought. But do you think, maybe not as powerful or, or whatever, but do you think that the First Order has the ability to track the Colossus through hyperspace at this point? Or is that just something that is specific to a Dreadnought? I guess I was kind of under the impression that it was like brand new tech, that like it was like hot off the press and they were just now starting to use it. So like right at the beginning. Supremacy is like the prototype of the hyperspace tracking. That would be my impression, especially since they were so surprised by yeah. it, and it wasn't like a known thing that they could do this. So I feel like if they if they started using that with our resistance crew, I feel like they would be able to easily get a message to like Poe or Leia by yeah. by the time the Last Jedi comes around. Yeah. Well, at this point in our timeline, my guess is that Poe and Leia know about it already, because I think. You know, that happens at the beginning of the film. I, th I think probably they would know about it already, but I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going on in Episode Eight at this time. And we do know that it was only from the lead ship, which was a Dreadnought, Supremacy, 
that they were tracking the resistance through through hyperspace. So it's very possible that they cannot track them through hyperspace, but uh, with all these hyperspace jumps coming up and stuff like that, I think it's interesting that the First Order is still somewhat keeping on their trail. Yeah, I'm getting all confused timeline-wise, but yeah, now, <laughs> now that I think more about it, I mean, they could start tracking them, right? Yeah, it's a known thing now. Yeah, I mean, hyperspace tracking, as we know from Rogue One, was being developed by the Empire prior to the first Death Star blowing up. So what we see in The Last Jedi is a dreadnought after a Starkiller base blows up and all that and the Hosnium system's gone. We know at the beginning of Resistance Season 2 that the Resistance had evacuated Dakar, which happens at the very beginning of Episode 8. So at this point of Season 2, my guess is that Leia and Poe already know that the hyperspace tracking is a thing. And so it's probably all happening at once. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe it is just a thing that was particular to that specific ship and it hasn't gone widespread throughout the First Order. Yeah. Or maybe it will start going widespread now that they know it like works. And Yeah, because I, I mean, the last thing that we see in this episode, The Engineer, is the Colossus like jumping through hyperspace and then the First Order... Well, the First Order like shows up and then the Colossus goes through hyperspace. But then in the next episode, we don't see the Colossus at all. So I don't know what's going on, but it'll be interesting to see how closely the First Order can stay and keep up with the Colossus. But So we get a little bit of background on Niku in this episode, and it's not something that we get a lot of because, like Niku says, he doesn't really talk about himself all that much, but his parents allowed him to fulfill his dreams. And I thought that was really cool. They were like Bantha herders and they sold their prized Bantha to allow Niku to become um, the mechanic that he is. And I feel like that's really cool of his parents to do. And I think that really shows a lot about how Niku has become so selfless as a character. Right. He was like, that was just his whole family. They're just selfless people. Yeah. I also thought it was cool that on the buckets list for this episode on StarWars.com, um, you find out that Niku and Nina are of the same species, but a different race. Oh, cool. I think the actors are actually married in real life. They are. Yeah, yeah they are. Super cute. Yeah, it's like the Freddie Prince Jr. Sarah Michelle Gellar syndrome or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty awesome. Niku makes me so happy, and I, him like yelling after Nina, trying to get her to stay, and being like, "I want you to stay because you're smart and capable." Like, I just like thought that was everything because you can tell they kind of have that little like, like obviously they don't have like a romantic, full on romantic thing after meeting each other for a couple of hours, but there's like that little spark between them. And instead of yeah. just being like, stay, I want you, I need you. He's like, you're smart, you're capable. Like, I just thought that was, like, everything. Yeah. So. Niku's just so awesome. So perfect, so Niku. Yeah. yeah. To just continue on this, like, Niku, like, love fest that we're having, is <laughs> he just goes on and tells Kaz that he just values him so much as yeah. his bestest friend. 
it's just like it it is he's really just like teaching kids like how to value your friends how to act in a relationship like niku just like any advice you need in life you can just think about niku yeah <laughs> i was i was worried that there was going to be a huge battle on the colossus in this episode because nina almost got the resistance to turn on the pirates, you know, or the the members of the Colossus, I guess. So I was worried that there's going to be like a big fight because Yeager was even like, yeah, they might want to fight us and fighting's what they do. You know, mm. this is not going to go well. So Nina almost created like a huge, a huge problem. You're talking about the pirates? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that could have like ruined, you know, what they had going with the pirates kind of starting to become an asset to the Colossus. Yeah. Yeah, they could have totally taken that a different way. We know that during this time, the resistance is beaten up and they're bloody and they just suffered all this, you know, major defeats at the hands of the First Order. At this point, the resistance is trying to recruit everybody, you know, like anybody and everybody that they can get to help them. Yeah, the pirates would be a pretty big force, power force. All right, let's go on to the next episode, which is the most recent episode that aired this past Sunday called From Beneath, and we go to Dragor 3, and as we know from the past few episodes, the Colossus is not in good shape. In the couple episodes ago on the hunt for Seltzer 3, food was the issue, and morale was the issue, and with the help of Kaz and his friends and Niku, they got food, they got like the sun, even though it was like a projection almost, they got the sun, so everything was looking up, and then they have this person that comes and betrays them and Nina to the First Order, and she ends up going away, and they get the ship somewhat fixed, so now the problem is fuel in this episode. If they can't get fuel, they'll be stranded, and that will not be good. They'll be stuck. They won't be able to go anywhere. They won't be able to jump to light speed. They won't be able to do anything. So as we know from The Last Jedi, fuel can be an issue. So that's not good. So they end up going to this planet, right? And we get Flix and Orca in this episode along with Kaz and CB23. What did you think of this episode as a whole? I really, really enjoyed this episode. It was a very nice kind of break in the storyline with the battle between the Colossus and the First Order all on the run, you know, this whole season. So this was really fun. I really liked getting to see where Flix came from because he's such a unique, you know, species that we've never seen before. So it's cool to get to go to his planet and meet his family. Yeah. It's like the Gazo Gazos? Yeah. 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 This episode really reminded me of a lot of things. One of them being the Zillow Beast episodes, right? We have a uh, sort of like ancient mythical creature that resides below the surface of a planet that gets awoken by uh, a species that just shouldn't be there and then problems arise. So kind of remind, uh, reminded me of the Zillow Beast and it also reminded me of Harry Potter a little bit and the Chamber of Secrets with the Basilisk kind of <laughs> going through the, the, the tunnels and the pipes and the holes. And also at one point, Kaz says about the dragons that if you don't move, they won't be able to see you. And that's kind yes. of somewhat like the Basilisk as well. That was 100% so similar to that. And it also reminded me of Dooku Jedi Lost. If you've been reading along with us with the book club, there is a beast in that that gets awoken by, Mm, you know, Dooku's dark side energy from the bellows of the planet, which 
That was like my first thought. So this is like a common thing in the Star Wars galaxy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dragons live <laughs> yeah. in the center of planets. The Tirataka. Yes. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting at the end of this episode. So, you know, they, they deal with the, the dragons below the surface and they work their way up. And, you know, it was really sort of a, a family episode. You know, Flix was working with his cousins that were uh, his cousin that was sort of being a jerk about everything, but finally realized, you know, that family's more important and his friends need him and things like that so you know at the end of the episode his cousin is basically like yeah give flicks and his friend all the fuel that they need and they took i mean granted they only had a shuttle but they took like what seemed like it was not enough to fuel the colossus you know so i'm wondering if we're going to be coming back to this planet to get more fuel at some point yeah they could be like a base now they seem to be allies at the end so yeah. So, yeah, we've got the, these last three episodes really, um, you know, show that the members of the Colossus are overcoming obstacles. They have fuel, they have food, they have good morale, it seems like now, and they've overcome potential mutinies, they've overcome potential saboteurs, and uh, it seems like the pirates and the members of the Colossus are working together now. So there's a new episode that is coming to us this upcoming Sunday, and it is called The Relic Raiders. And um, Lucasfilm released a preview on that, and I think we're going to get some pretty cool stuff in that episode on Sunday. So definitely make sure to watch that. As we continue on with season two, you know, make sure to stay updated because I know we're going to get some really cool things as we've seen in the trailer that aired a few months back now. And if you are um, just getting into Star Wars Resistance, the entire first season is on Disney Plus now, so you can watch it all uh, on there. There is no season two, however, yet. We might have to wait until uh, the season's over with or something. But yeah, some good stuff with Star Wars Resistance, and uh, you know, I'll use this time to sort of plug our book club. We are sort of working in the same timelines with the First Order and the Resistance, and if you uh, want to join our book club, Jesse, where can people do that, first of all? If you want to get in on the action, I would head over to, to um, Facebook, where we have a open group called the TSO Book Club. There we post discussion questions that align with uh, certain chapters for the week, and we really get to dive deep into all these books. All right, and we are currently working on getting through Resistance Reborn, which is the first book uh, for our book club that we are reading that is a part of the journey to the rise of Skywalker. And I have to say, this book has... If you've read the Aftermath series and Bloodlines, uh, Bloodline, I think it actually is, by Claudia Gray, and the Aftermath series by Chuck Wendig, this sort of will expand on those stories a little bit, and will also give you a little bit more info on some of the characters that we are uh, waiting to see what happens to them since The Last Jedi. So it's a very exciting book, and I think it'll give us maybe not a ton of uh, needed information before the rise of skywalker if any needed information but it'll definitely be like oh wow i read that and you know resistance reborn and it's really cool to see in the rise of skywalker now you know it might have that type of effect on you 
But we're through the first 10 chapters now, and we have discussion questions up in the Facebook group that Jesse previously mentioned. And uh, if you feel the urge to, definitely join us on our, our, uh, our page and participate in some cool discussions. All right. That will pretty much do it for this episode. Before we go, Jesse, where can people find us on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the handle at Twin Sons Outpost. All right, and if you're looking for different places to listen to our show, you can find us on iTunes. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store, and you can also find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side, and you'll see all of our episodes there. You guys are not going to want to miss our next episode where Jesse and I discuss the very first episode of The Mandalorian, which was released this past week on Disney+, and I'm very excited to talk about it, so definitely make sure to look out for that. But for Eric and Jesse and everybody here at Twin Sons, thank you so much for listening to episode 151 of Twin Sons Transmission. We'll see you next time, and may the Force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Rendezvous point on Halloween. This time you are not a familiar thing.